This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to our July 23rd, 2018 edition of Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and please tell your friends about all of our platforms Invest Talk on the radio, Invest Talk, the archive podcast library on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify, etc. And obviously, investtalk.com and our commitment to reason and common sense guidance. That can really help any investor. And Steve and I would be very grateful if you would subscribe uh, to our podcast. It's a a great way to catch uh, the shows on your own timeline. And take a minute to maybe rate and review us as well because I know a lot of you love us. And the more that higher ranking we have, I guess, uh, on the, the platforms, the more people will be able to tune in. Now, for those of you who are ready to improve your investing skills, you've come to the right place. And our goal here is to help you listen and learn right here on Invest Talk about how to make smart decisions, how to have the right mindset. And KPP Financial has been doing this program for more than 20 years, and we've been in business for about 25 years. And your questions are a part of why it all works. You know, we have thousands and thousands of questions throughout those 20 plus years, and that is why we do this. We want to hear directly from you. So please feel free to give us a call now at 888 chart That's 888-992-4278. And there's a lot in the news today, and I'll touch on several, several subjects of interest before the hour is over. But one topic I want to tease here at the start of the program is the, construct- the constructive ways millennials can build leadership skills and uh, you might not think you need leadership skills but everyone does Uh, and it's if you plan to earn higher wages higher salaries you need to be able to learn you need to be able to lead people whether that is having your own business and leading people or just going up the food chain within your uh, your company and leading others that are newer right and you need to make yourself more valuable to employers or to your customers. So I'll walk you through some tips later. But first, let's kick off with a call from Wendy in Chino Hills. How you doing, Wendy? I'm doing good. How are you, Justin? Great. What can I do for you? Um, I would like to ask you some questions regarding technical analysis. Can you use the Mercado Liberate okay. as an example? Maybe use a... Uh, uh, what kind of charts do you usually use when you do the technical analysis? Like for a shorter period, monthly chart or like a weekly? Well, when you're talking about short term, uh, I'm using daily chart. I'm using uh, maybe a 60-minute okay. chart. You know, monthly charts are used for longer trends, right? What is the long-term trend? What are the long-term support and resistance levels? Uh, that, that's not really going to okay. tell you much about what the stock's going to do in the, in the near term. Weekly is a little oh, bit okay. better, right, uh, as you get the shorter time frame. 
Uh, but ultimately, daily is going to tell you whether a stock is oversold, overbought. It's going to uh, show you a certain pattern that it might be creating, like a consolidation pattern, for example, that might give you a sense of, of where the stock is going to head in the near term. Uh, so those are the type of things that I'm looking at. Then I'm looking at moving averages. Which way are the moving averages pointed? Are they pointed up? Are they pointed down? Uh, is it above the 50-day moving average, below the 50-day moving average? Uh, what are the other indicators? What's volume telling me? What are stochastics telling me? What is MACD telling yeah, can you me? Use, Those are all I'm factors. Yeah. Can you use today's uh, chart for Mercado Liberate to maybe um, talk about like like the trend line, like you said, in the like in the chart, and like when you show it on YouTube, can you maybe draw some lines or yeah. something? So I can see you. Well, like, I don't. I don't. I don't have. I don't. I don't have my uh, my full uh, technical uh, um, uh, chart here right now. Uh, that's actually okay. on a different computer. Um, but I do have some some basic charts. I can I can kind of uh, give you a sense, and I'm, I'm trying to pull that up uh, on on YouTube right now. If you're watching. Uh, okay. So there, there's yeah. different uh, th there's there's different data ranges you always want to use. I use candlestick charts. Uh, those are, are definitely my go-to. Uh, there there are line charts and things like that. But Mercado Libre, it's it, it consolidated and found support kind of around the 275 280 level, and it's rallied up into resistance. Uh, actually, the 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 candlestick that it produced, uh, I believe that was today or Friday, I don't know which day this was, July 20th, okay, so that was on Friday, it was actually pretty bearish, uh, and you saw you saw that today, you saw that, uh, that follow through today, so to me, this looks like it's topping out, this looks like it's going to head back down uh, into uh, that, that two, high 200 level, uh, below 300, and you can look at the RSI as well. It was overbought uh, over the past couple of days, and usually that means uh, a significant pullback, and you saw that today, down $12 a share, 3.3%. Uh, so definitely is uh, bearish in the short term, and I would not be, if you're looking to, to, to buy it, or do you own it, what is it? Oh, I own it. I had a, some profit, so I was the one to see if I should take a profit. Yeah, I'd I would take the profit uh, just because the the market in general, but also this stock is is overvalued, overpriced, uh, overvalued, and looking to head back to the high two hundreds. Thanks for the call, Wendy. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now you heard me promote this story: constructive ways millennials can build leadership skills. I'm going to give you some tips from a job counseling expert. And number one is find a mentor. Find someone else who you respect their leadership skills, right? And ask them questions. Ask them if they can find just 30 minutes out of their 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 week, right, to have coffee on you, of course, and ask direct questions. Listen. And there are reasons why people have risen up the ladder. And, 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 and usually it's because they learn things the hard way. Uh, and the faster way, the, the more lessons you can learn the easy way, which is just listening and learning, uh, the faster you will climb up that ladder as well. And you'll be able to learn some invaluable lessons by just listening. So that's number one, is find a mentor and listen. Number two is observe and learn. Be consciously aware. Intentionally observe what other leaders who are successful are doing. 
and not just by reading an article, but in practice. And I think that's what's what's very important. You know, in today's world where we, we try to uh, we try to look at these big public figures and emulate them. Uh, and there's a lot of meat behind that public image that you probably don't understand. And it's much better to find somebody who you directly know. And that could be a family member, it could be a friend, it could be somebody at your job who you respect. And listen and learn to what they are, are doing and observe. And not one leadership style is always the best. There's different types of leadership styles. Okay. Number three, study up on the classics. Read books. Uh, how to win friends and influence people. That's one of my favorites. The One Minute Manager, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. These are all great books. So read and understand uh, where they're coming from. I, if, if I'm telling anybody, the first book I would tell anybody who's looking to be successful in life in general is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Number four is volunteer to lead where you can. So don't ask somebody what I can do. Say, hey, I want to step up. Find places where you can step up and contribute. And like I said, that could be within your family. It could be uh, just friends that you know. It can be at your work or uh, your school. And you'll be amazed at just not only the people you, you, you uh, ingratiate yourself to, but also the lessons you will learn and the, 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 it'll open your eyes to just the different types of people, different opportunities that are out there in the, in, in the world. So I guess those are the top four. Uh, I would say I think everybody, no matter we're young or old, can learn how to just be better at life. Now our featuring talking point is guess who is increasingly on the hook for college loan debt? Right, the parents are often saddled with the weight of education loans. We're going to talk about that and maybe some alternatives. I also have some that are on my mind as well. Number one is what does it take to become a 401k millionaire? There are, there's not a lot of people that become 401k millionaires. Only about 4% of savers in the 401k uh, are, are ever get there to that million dollar mark. So it's pretty rare. Actually, sorry, only 1%. I apologize. 4% was a different number I'll get to later. But roughly 157,000 people have saved at least $1 million in their 401k. That's only one percent or so of Fidelity's total retirement plan participants. This is according to Fidelity's right uh, 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 plan, which is one of the largest uh, providers out there. But you can get there. But there are some t tips and maybe little strategies that you can use to slowly get there. It's not going to be overnight, but you definitely got to be consistent. We're going to talk about that. I also want to talk about Tesla a little bit. There was uh, th there's some big news over the weekend, and I think that story is coming closely to uh, its end. And then lastly, maybe some scams uh, in the relation to the real estate industry that we'll try to uncover. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for making time for Invest Talk. If you listen on a regular basis, you've probably realized that Steve and I do our best to make the complex understandable. And we offer unbiased guidance as best as we can, and we always appreciate your input. So please give us a call now at 888-99-CHART. It's a Monday Invest Talk. July is moving fast, only six more trading days this month. 
Is your portfolio matched? Matched to your risk tolerance? If not, you aren't maximizing your investment opportunities while balancing your risk load. Let Steve, Justin, or InvestTalk.com help with this objective. Check out the varied investing strategy programs offered by KPP Financial. There's one to match your risk tolerance. But now, Justin's here, and he's taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Sam in San Francisco. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great. Can you hear me, Justin? Yeah, yeah. What can I do for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah I was, uh, you know, with all the trade winds, uh, trade war winds, I should say, I was looking at stocks mm-hmm. in um, the Chinese market and uh, looking at Tencent Holdings and uh, wondering whether that's a better option or should we stick to, uh, you know, something close to home such as Facebook? Uh, I'm going to say neither, to be frank. Um, You know, this is a a market where many tech companies are very overvalued. Uh, Tencent is uh, no, uh, is, is... right up there with them. It's a $450 billion market cap company who does roughly $40 billion in sales a year. Now that's growing pretty fast. Uh, P ratio is 43. And uh, it's it's certainly a good company, you know, not to say they're, you know, it's a bad company, but just the valuations are pretty poor. And you're, you're seeing a lot of disruption over in China. And uh, there's, uh, the, the economy there is, is, is certainly weakening to, to some degree. Uh, now Tencent is a uh, uh, it's growing fast. What's what's what I the only thing I like about Tencent is its revenues are accelerating uh, from you know 40% a year ago growth to 60% this uh, last few quarters, but earnings are growth last quarter was only 11%. So you're having revenue go up, but the growth and earnings aren't nearly as strong, and that's probably one of the big reasons why you're seeing a downtrend in the market or in the, in the stock from a high of 61, now it's yeah. at 47. So you're about 22% off its 52-week high, and it's certainly in a downtrend. And stocks that are overvalued like this, you know, it's operating earnings yield is only 2.5%. Uh, I you know I'm just not a fan of it, and when it comes to Facebook, you know very similar. Uh, you know certainly a good company, but I, I don't like the the trend in their platform and the, the the regulation that's happening in the industry. So I'm not a fan of either one. Thanks for the call, Sam. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And I, I I hope you'll subscribe to Invest Talk on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, and then hopefully rate and review it as well. Now your comments allow us to improve our Invest Talk programming. Our Monday show is off to a good start, and we are still taking your questions. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART. The amount of financial advice offered by an almost unlimited number of sources can seem overwhelming. But InvestTalk Radio, podcast, and investtalk.com are available 24-7 to give you straightforward and unbiased guidance. And if you're ready for a personalized portfolio review, you can always schedule a meeting with Steve or Justin. Start a conversation by going to the Contact Us page at investtalk.com. Now, back to your calls, 888-99-CHART. Now, the cost of college tuition has certainly gone to record heights, and most people think that's creating a lot of 
student loans by students. But increasingly, mom and dad are asked to take out loans as well. On average, parents owed $32,596 for these loans taken out under Federal Parent Plus program for gra college graduation in 2015 and 16. That's more than the average college grad has, which is 29,669. Now, obviously, more people, more, more students graduate with uh, with debt than uh, the, their parents, so 69% versus 14%. But if they do take it out, the parents, it's usually a larger amount uh, than the students. So it's, this is a good example of how you can increasingly be on the hook for college tuition. Uh, now many times students have to or have an agreement to pay down that loan uh, as opposed to the parents, but it just shows the importance of planning for college education and saving for that, whether that's in a 529 plan or elsewhere. And there are other avenues that you can go because student loans uh, in today's world, they can be up to 7, 8, 9%. So some people can tap their home equity line. That could be an option, but it's uh, not necessarily the best one because that can be floating uh, for a floating rate debt uh, as opposed to student loan debt tends to be fixed. So just just shows you that it's not only about your child who will be saddled with loans if you don't save, but you may be as well. Because there's limits to what students can borrow, and usually the safety valve is the parents. Meaning, if they hit those limits, they still need to go to college, your, your parents are going to want you to finish, you're halfway in, three quarters of the way in, you need to get there uh, to graduate, and many times it's the parents that are taking out those loans. So. Be aware and start saving sooner rather than later. Now, the great thing about our Anytime Listener line is it never closes. It's 24-7. So here's a question that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. This is Jonathan from Philadelphia. I was just wondering uh, what you thought about Intel Corporation. That is I-N-T-C. Uh, right now, it's uh, trading at just over $52.00. Uh, took a little bit of a hit last week after uh, the CEO uh, stepped down from that role. Uh, however, I still think it's uh, fairly undervalued. I think it really has a value of about $61, $62. And I was just wondering uh, what y'all thought about Intel. Thank you. Bye. All right, so looking at Intel Corporation, uh, I don't think I, I need to explain to everybody what they do, but they're supposed to make $4.01 this year, according to analysts. That's up 16% from last year. Next year, they're supposed to make $4.15, a 3% increase, so certainly slowing growth to uh, an extent, definitely. Revenues are up uh, in the neighborhood of 9% year over year. Earnings last quarter up 32%, so very nice growth on a year-over-year -year basis, at least backwards-looking, forward-looking, not quite as nice. Yields 2.3%, a $243 billion market cap company. Operating earnings yield about 7.5%. That's solid. Uh, let's look at its return on equity, 16%. Return on invested capital, 11%. That's solid. Uh, all uh, solid numbers. 
you know, I, I like Intel in general. Uh, over the long term, it's been a, a strong player. Now, my biggest worry, once uh, has, has always been a, has been a worry for Intel a long time, is that more and more people are transitioning into uh, mobile phones and tablets and using Intel chips a lot less. And Intel made an, uh, some good acquisitions to diversify their business away from your typical. Uh, desktops and laptop computers which certainly are being used less and less so uh, strong management team definitely one of the better uh, companies out there but they're also competing against some bigger juggernauts uh, as of late like the AMDs of the world the microns uh, etc that are doing some good things and it's a competitive landscape and I think the semiconductor sector is close to topping and if you look at SMH is a, a good example is, is is it's been relatively weak and so while I like Intel longer term as a, a solid company even though uh, it's a competitive space the the, the, semi, the SMH the, the semiconductor ETF has been weak and therefore I'm not a buyer of it at this time let's go to Bill in Lake T oh oh we're gonna take we're gonna talk to Bill in Lake Tahoe after the break now tomorrow on invest talk Sales of existing homes have declined for a third straight month, and it's probably buyer reluctance due to high costs, and that's higher borrowing costs, higher prices, and just uh, uh, not a lot of inventory. So Steve will break this down tomorrow on Invest Talk. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I am here for you. So give me a call at 888-99 Chart. Our podcast continues next. First, good reason number five for a portfolio checkup with Steve. Steve says that many portfolios he looks at are weighted in just one or two sectors. A diverse mix of market sectors is so important to the health of a retirement portfolio. Steve can help you reorganize your retirement portfolio. He can make suggestions about the sectors of the future. And if you'd like, a KPP financial program that fits your goals and your life situation. There's never a cost for Invest Talk listeners and no sales pitch or obligation of any kind ever. To schedule your one on one conversation with Steve, just go to investtalk.com and click on the Invest Talk tab and then Portfolio Review, or you can call 888 99Chart and follow the prompts. And now let's continue with the podcast. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, where principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are dedicated to providing straightforward and unbiased investing management. For listeners, the InvestTalk commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help make them better investors. And individuals who choose to become KPP clients enjoy personalized and highly experienced attention to their portfolio. Do you want to speak with Justin right now? The lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Bill in Lake Tahoe. How are you doing, Bill? I am well, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making it. What can I do for you? I uh, just want your opinion. I, I just happened to be looking looking at the stock charts today. I, I came across AT&T, and I noticed it was it's down. I guess it had some problems. I hadn't paid too much attention to it lately, but wanted to get your opinion on somebody that has a pretty well-diversified portfolio, just adding 
uh, that uh, looking for a little more income in my portfolio, adding that uh, at the current levels, and just see what you thought about that. Yeah, Will, we actually bought this for some clients recently. So we like AT&T uh, down here at uh, about $31 a share. I think we bought it a little higher than this. But uh, they do have earnings coming out, uh, I believe, tomorrow. So be aware of that. Uh, this is a company that has a lot of mixed, uh, I would say, forces, both positive and negative, on the business. Uh, obviously, AT&T Wireless is certainly a, a competitive business. You have the likes of Sprint and T-Mobile that have been kind of pushing down the price of wireless service uh, for the last few years or so. And certainly you see that pressure over the past six quarters of AT&T. Revenues have been down every, anywhere from you know tenths of a percent to three percent uh, per quarter. That's what it was down year over year last quarter. So that's certainly a headwind. Now they just bought uh, Time Warner and that's certainly up for... Uh, the DOJ is trying to block it, but I think it'll eventually go through. And that is a content play, right? They're trying to get the likes of HBO and be able to turn that into maybe the next Netflix. Uh, that's uh, certainly, I think, a positive. I think that that'll make a, be a good acquisition, although a risky one by adding a lot of debt in their balance sheet. Uh, but it will also kind of reignite the growth of their business, I think, as well, because there are a lot of synergies that they'll be able to create from being a content provider as well as a content distributor. Uh, and then there's the net neutrality uh, rules that I think are going to, while they, I don't think they're going to rock the boat in the near term, I think long term they're going to find ways to be discriminatory when it comes to your internet service, right? So you'll probably have plans like a social media plan and an email plan and a video streaming plan. And that will help some people who get cheaper internet who just maybe do email. And for those that maybe have do streaming, it'll be more expensive. Uh, and they'll be able to bundle that with their HBO service as opposed to Netflix, things like that, right? So they're going to, uh, if, they, if they do it right, it's going to be very good for their business. Uh, not to say it's not risky. It's certainly risky. They're paying a lot for Time Warner. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts in their business. But I think there's a lot of potential as well. So long-term risk versus reward, I like it down here in the low 30s. How do you feel about the, uh, the dividend and the, and the safety that they can maintain pay that dividend? Yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly uh, a, a risk as they add uh, debt on their balance sheet. They're gonna, the cost of their debt's going to go up, but what the, what are their synergies going to be is a question. Their debt latest payout ratio was only 40% in relation to earnings, and their but their cash dividend payout ratio, which is probably more accurate, is 66%, meaning they're producing uh, enough cash right now to definitely pay that dividend. Now, uh, long term, if they, bun they, they have problems with this integration of uh, Time Warner and maybe there's more long-term pricing pressures from the competitive landscape that they have in wireless, even though that looks like it's ending if you look at the recent figures, uh, you know, that could be an issue. But I think in the near term, I think you're fine. Thanks for the call, Bill. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's take it through and ask your question on the show today. We have eh, about 10 minutes, 20 minutes left. 
So it's going to go faster than you expect, though. So give us a call now. Now, there's some really interesting news over the weekend, a report by the Wall Street Journal about my favorite short in the market. And really, I think the calling card for the misallocation of capital, the low uh, interest rates that the Fed have created, uh, this pushed... It has kept zombie companies in business, and I think uh, Tesla is a good example of that, a zombie company that really shouldn't be in business and has really only stayed in business because of cheap capital. Uh, and over the weekend, they have asked, there's a report from Wall Street Journal saying that they've asked suppliers to give money back, give money back, and this just shows how desperate they are to stay in business really uh, they can't raise capital I've talked about the SEC investigation that they're under uh, right now and you know that could be cleared and I think that's what they're hoping for they're trying to buy time to hope and pray that the SEC investigation is dropped uh, and uh, frankly knowing some details about their past I doubt it ever will be in fact uh, it'll probably turn into a Wells notice if it hasn't already and probably prosecute uh, the company to some degree because of the the egregious nature of the solar city deal and just really the lies uh, and they obviously have a whistleblower that's come to the SEC as well just recently so that's gonna take a while for the SEC to investigate that whistleblower whistleblower claim and so it's a really interesting dynamic in the markets here. Uh, it's a great story. Obviously, Elon Musk is revered as a, as a, as a business icon. Uh, and, re and in reality, you know, he, he really shouldn't be. And I think Tesla started off with good intentions and turned into kind of a, a Bernie Madoff type of, uh, type of uh, situation. You know, Bernie Madoff started off very legitimate market making uh, business with a, a side uh, business as a as a money manager and he had a bad year and he tried to make up numbers and eventually went down the rabbit hole and it turned into a full-blown Ponzi scheme and I think Tesla is very similar you know it had a, a grand scheme about how to build cars and they wanted to do it a different way and uh, you know uh, along the way they've really mess things up uh, and I don't think Elon's ego can really handle admitting that and that was part of the solar city uh, a merger which should have never happened uh, and really is what has put Tesla in dire straits this early you know I think if the solar city thing never happened I think Tesla could have gone on longer and had more runway to try to ramp up production and be cash flow positive but uh, you know I, I just think they, they've made too many mistakes and they've it's one lie after the other uh, over the past few years, and that's what's put Tesla in this current situation. So for everyone out there, I think it's a good lesson, and I think we'll, we'll look back on Tesla as a, as a pretty good example of how you, you really can't take things at face value. You really understand and do research and understand the, the, how an industry works, how a company's balance sheet is made up, uh, what type of risks they're taking. Are they cyclical? Are they dependent on capital markets? And this is a good example of when capital markets kind of shut them out, whether either through lack of liquidity, which I don't think we're completely there yet, or through the SEC saying, you know what, you've done too much to be able to keep raising money uh, in the capital markets. And, and when I say too much, meaning too many lies and too many uh, misleading investors. And that's kind of where Tesla is sitting today. And that's why they are asking suppliers for money back as opposed to raising capital. 
Now, as most of you know, we encourage your finance and investing questions live each weekday on Invest Talk during our radio program from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific time. But we also accept your questions around the clock, 24-7 at the same number, 888 chart So don't be afraid to call after hours. We will record your call and then play it back on the air. And we'll keep about 100 recent programs archived and accessible via our podcast player on investtalk.com, as well as iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, etc. But I'm here now to take your calls live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, streamed and broadcast live at 4 p.m. Pacific time each weekday and also available 24-7 via archived podcast at investtalk.com. Be sure to subscribe to Invest Talk on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Then take a second to rate and review. And here's a special advisory for our Northern California Invest Talk listeners. Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose on August 29th. Yes, Steve will be conducting personalized one-on-one portfolio reviews in San Jose. This is a no-cost opportunity to make your money work harder for you. August 29th, appointments are free, but space is limited. Register now through the Invest Talk page link at investtalk.com. And now, the lines are open, Justin is here, and he's taking your financial or investing questions live. 888-99-CHART. Hey Steve, long time listener, first time caller. I had a question on gold. How should I go about buying gold, physical gold or paper gold? And which is the best option if considering paper gold? Uh, By that I mean buying certificates, mining stocks or ETFs. Thank you for your guidance. All right, well, my favorite way to own gold is through miners uh, and quality miners that can make good decisions, that understand the industry, make good good allocation decisions with investor capital. Uh, And that that goes with any company, but miners uh, especially. You know, I really like the streaming companies. Uh, I think of, uh, what's it? Uh, wheat and precious metals. It used to be uh, uh, silver wheat. Now it's wheat and precious metals. Franco Nevada that we own for clients. We own both of those for clients. Those are kind of my two favorite. And what they do is they they invest in the equity. They they invest. They help finance mines throughout the world from other companies, actual miners, and they take a cut of that stream of income, right? Uh, and certainly they're they're gonna fluctuate with the price of oil as or price of gold and silver as well but uh, they can make I think more uh, better risk reward uh, decisions with their capital so I think that's a great way of doing it now certainly that would be more of the paper type of investments as opposed to the physical gold and I don't think there's any wrong wrong with owning physical gold uh, to some degree now you don't want it to be 20 30 percent of your net worth uh, obviously you need to store it in, a, in, a, in, in your home and somewhere safe and probably in a safe so there's there's nothing wrong with that so to me it's a little bit of both but uh, I would own some physical maybe one two three percent of your net worth and then the the uh, anything more than that I would buy quality, high-quality miners that can allocate capital in the best possible way. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question. We have 10 minutes left, so if you're going to call, call in sooner rather than later. Let's talk about how to get a million dollars or become a millionaire in your 401k. Now, 
In Fidelity's defined contribution plans, there are 157,000 people who have saved a million dollars in their 401k. Now there's another 148,000 people who have saved a million dollars or more in an IRA. So that's only roughly about 300,000 people ever have, at least the current time, have got have gotten to a million dollars in their retirement plans. Now the big question is, how do you get there? That's a pretty rare number, a pretty low number. Only one percent of Fidelity's total retirement plan participants have a million dollars. So. Most people, if you want to be comfortably retired, you need to get to that level. Now, obviously, the maximum contribution within a 401k is 18,500. If you're over the age of 50, there's a, a $6,000 catch-up, so 24.5. Uh, and in an IRA, it's 5,500 or $1,000 if you're over 50, so uh, 6,500. But the big question is, how do you get there? And clearly, with those limits, is you have to start early. And there's a great chart. If you're watching on our Invest Talk or our YouTube live stream, you'll see the different ages. So if you start at 30 and you max out your 401k, you only need a 2.2% return by the age of 65 to annually, obviously, to get to a million dollars. If you start at 35, it's 3.45. Then you go all the way up. If you wait till 50, you need 14.5% per year, which is extremely hard to get if you max out your 401k. So then this, the simple answer is start as early as possible, hopefully when you're 30 or maybe younger. Now, this isn't a groundbreaking discovery, obviously. The earlier you start, the easier it's going to be. But just 4% of savers in their defined contribution plan, so 401k, 403b, etc., who earn $50,000 a year max out their 401k. If you make between 50 and 100, that jumps to 11%. If you have make over $100,000 a year, that's 32%. Now, clearly, that has to do with just being able to live. Uh, you got to be able to live and pay your bills. Uh, but I think the best strategy is to start at your company match. Start at your company match. Whatever that is, make sure that you get that free money of what your company is contributing. So that could be 4% of your pay, 6% of your pay, whatever that is, get that full match. And then each year, typically you're going to get some sort of a raise. Even if you don't, just increase that savings by $100 a year or a month, right? So say you have, you know, with your contribution total, let's say $600. The next year, bump it to seven. The year after that, bump it to $800 a month and keep going as high as you can until you get to the max. And I think that is the simplest strategy to make sure you get there. You get to that match, okay? Uh, and that's what everyone's goal should be. Uh, sorry, not match, max, <laughs> max. So you want to be consistently saving, save early, and have a plan to get that full match today, but also increase your contribution so you finally get to that max at some point in the future. Well, our Monday show is heading for the finish line, but don't give up yet. We still got 10 minutes left in the program, eh, maybe eight minutes. So let's talk about how to grow your money. Get your calls in now at 888-99-CHART.
On the next Invest Talk, sales of existing homes have declined for a third straight month. That's tomorrow. But now, Justin's here and he's ready and waiting for your calls. 888 99Chart. Hey, Phyllis. I was just wondering if you could check out this stock, Alibaba, B A B A. Uh, it uh, peaked about $10 or $10 a couple weeks ago and looks like it's uh, dipping down and testing around that $200 range. If it dips below 198 I'm getting a little worried. I think I should uh, take my profits and sell, uh, or if you think I should uh, hold. Uh, what's making me a little nervous is the uh, quote-unquote trade war uh, approaching uh, between Trump and Xi, uh, those leaders kind of going back and forth. But what do you think of Baba, B-A-B-A? Should I sell now, or should I just go ahead and hold? Thanks. Bye. All right, he's looking Alibaba Group, B-A-B-A is the symbol, uh, located in Hong Kong. And obviously, uh, any Chinese-based company is going to uh, have high growth. Uh, there's always a worry with China that the numbers are a little bit smudged. That's pretty common uh, in that industry. Uh, now, they're, 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 there's the fact that they are listed in the U.S., there's some hurdles they have to get over uh, that maybe China doesn't. So that uh, gives you a little bit more security for a company like Alibaba. Uh, so I like Alibaba, but it's it's just very overvalued. $488 billion market cap is another company that does uh, roughly $40 billion a year in sales. Uh, return equity, 26%, very high. I like that they don't have a lot of debt, uh, but also, once again, do they have off-balance sheet debt? These are very complex businesses. Uh, and I just don't like the way this is trading. It's, it has kind of topped out since uh, late last year. It's been trading kind of in this high $100 range, peaked out at 211 now we're at 187 And just in general, like you said, the, the trade war, uh, the, the issues that are going on there, while I don't think it's going to take down the market as a whole, can certainly and will likely certainly uh, affect companies like Alibaba or in Chinese companies that do business uh, with the United States, and even if they don't, if it's only contained within China, their economy is certainly going to be affected by something like that as well. So I would sell Alibaba, take your profits. Let's go to, is it Puvan in San Ramon? It's Puvan. Hey, Justin. Puvan. How you doing, Puvan? Yes. Good. How are you? Thanks for the show. Uh, I have a quick question Thanks. on uh, 401k contribution. Like, for the past three, four years, uh, my company doesn't match. But still, I what okay. I do is uh, I contribute uh, and max out the uh, the four hundred one k by first uh, six months itself. So, is this a okay. good strategy to follow or no? To max out your four hundred one k? Like I I max it out uh, on the first six months of the year. So by June, I max it out. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, it's uh, over the long term, that's the best strategy. You want to get the money in sooner than later so it can start working and growing for you. So the answer over the long term is yes. I mean, certainly there'll be years where it'd be better to put money in later. Uh, but typically, actually, the first half of the year is weaker than the, the latter half of the year, right? You usually have a, some sort of year-end rally, typically. So it, it's probably better to get the money in earlier uh, from a seasonality standpoint. So, yeah, uh, there's no reason why you, you shouldn't do that sooner rather than later. Okay, cool. Thank you. 
Thanks for the call, Pavan. Pavan, sorry. Uh, uh, let's go to the market real quick. Uh, we had um, it was a mixed day, shall I say? I, mean, I know the Dow was down. What was the S and P doing? I think it was up slightly. It was just kind of a once again a day where rates actually went up pretty big. Uh, the 10 year was up a couple basis points, almost uh, to that 3% level again. I think 2.94 is where it closed, some, somewhere around there. Uh, and it's, once again, I think we're creating a long, drawn out top. That's really what we're, what we're in, right? The Dow was down 13 points, S&P was up 5, NASDAQ up 21, NYSE was only at 4 points, about 3 tenths of 1%, uh, or 3 hundredths of 1%. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's really kind of a flat day. We're carving on the top. Liquidity is drying up to some degree, but not dramatic. The Fed is reducing its balance sheet. Uh, I still think we're in kind of this drawn-out large market top. When it will finally break, it's hard to tell. That's it for today. Another Invest Talk radio show with your questions driving the discussion. Today's program will be soon posted to our podcast player library at investtalk.com. Thank you for listening. Please come back tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, which retains all rights.